0: Of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning again, everyone. Before I say anything else, I want to uh, thank your dean and the team that he has assembled for the great job that he is doing here. You know, um, clergy spend a lot of time thanking other people. But They don't often get thanked themselves. And so I would like you to give a big hand of applause for your dean and the great work that he's doing for you. And the other uh, people I'd like to thank are are your wonderful choir. I uh, understand this is their last day of singing for the programmatic year until they take a break for the summer. I tried to express my appreciation by buying them dinner this last week because I know that I look forward to being here at the cathedral for many reasons, but one of the reasons is to, is to hear the wonderful music uh, that uh, Eric Goldstrom and, and the choir uh, give you every Sunday. This is another group that is, doesn't often hear appreciations from the congregation, except when they're not there or they do something wrong, then you complain about it. But while they're here, they often don't get thanked. So let's thank Eric and the choir for a great year of music. I might have shared with you uh, before one of my favorite stories about confirmation. About uh, a few years ago, five or six years ago, I was getting ready to do a confirmation service and I had a bunch of 7th and 8th graders who were going to be confirmed and one of the 7th grade boys came up to me and said, Bishop, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. He said, so let me get this straight you're telling me that Jesus laid his hands on his apostles and then they laid their hands on their successors, the bishops, for hundreds and hundreds of years until they got all the way to you? And I said, yeah, that's right. And he said, so in other words, you're telling me that when you lay your hands on me, It's almost like Jesus laying his hands on me. Is that right? And I said, yeah, I think you could think of it that way. And he paused for a second and he said, cool. (laughs) Well, it is cool, isn't it, to think that those of us who have been baptized and and confirmed have had in a very indirect way Jesus' hands laid on us in the sacrament of confirmation. When the bishop came to visit. So it occurred to me that the service of confirmation, whether we are a candidate or just here to witness someone being confirmed or received, it's a good time for us to reflect on the question, how do our lives change when Jesus gets his hands on us? Now, this act of laying on of hands is a very powerful action, and we hear a lot about it in the Bible, and I picked a few of those passages for you this morning. For example, Moses commissioned Joshua to succeed him by laying hands on him. Later, Saul is made the king of Israel when Samuel anoints him and lays hands on him. In the New Testament, we read about Jesus laying his hands on people in all kinds of ways. He heals those who are sick by touching them, like the story about the little girl that everybody thought was dead, and Jesus takes her by the hand and and raises her up. He gives a hand up to the woman who is being stoned for adultery and forgives her of her sins. And then this gospel passage, one of my favorites in in the Bible this story about uh, Peter uh, walking on the water. You know, Jesus is, they're out there in the Sea of Galilee and the disciples see see Jesus walking on the water and and Peter, who I think sometimes has the role in the New Testament of providing comic relief, Peter says, oh, I want to walk on the water too. So Jesus says, well, get out of the boat. So he gets out of the boat, and he starts to see what's happening, and he sinks down, and he cries out, Lord, I'm, I'm sinking, save me. And Jesus has to reach down into the water and grab him by the hand and yank him back up out of the water again. In the days after the resurrection, the apostles ordain people for ministry by laying their hands on them just as Jesus had done to them. It's interesting, isn't it, how how Jesus doesn't just give us a bunch of commandments, a bunch of teachings, and then walk away and leave us with that. Jesus is always touching people, and touch is the most intimate way that we can relate to someone else. So my question again for you this morning is this. How would your life change if Jesus could get his hands on you? How are you in need of his touch? Use your imagination. If Jesus were to touch you this morning in church, what would you ask for? Healing? Strength? Forgiveness? Empowerment? Let's look a little more closely at each of the ways that Jesus lays his hands on his followers and through the sacrament of confirmation lays his hands upon us. Now we all know from experience how touch and healing go together. If you've ever had a good massage, you'll know what I'm talking about. A physician friend of mine told me that he believes that many of the patients that come to see him, especially those who are elderly or who live alone, are there simply because they are hungry to be touched. There's no one to touch them, so they come to their doctor. Touch is a powerful thing, but sometimes we feel uncomfortable with it, don't we? It's, it's easier for most of us to, to pat a stray dog than it is to touch someone who we don't know. And yet we know from the time that we're children how a healing touch can help make our pain go away when our mothers or fathers rubbed a hurt arm or stroked our head when we had a fever or gave us a hug when we woke up crying during the night. Jesus offers us the same kind of healing touch. Now, I know it may sound a little mawkish or sentimental to talk about Jesus' healing hands or Jesus' loving arms, but it's a reality that many of you have already experienced in times of pain and suffering. Jesus is with us in our time of pain because Jesus has been through exactly the same sort of stuff that we go through and a hundred times worse. I was reading not too long ago a a column in a magazine written by a woman who was severely injured in a car accident and is now a quadriplegic. She has no use of her arms or her legs. And she writes her column with a stylus held between her teeth and she picks out the letters on a keyboard. And people who suffer from similar problems write to her. And she says, the question that I'm asked the most by people who write to me is, usually goes something like this. Why me? Why did God let this happen to me? What did I do to deserve this? And she says, I don't know the answer to that question because I'm not God, but I can say this with confidence, that I believe that Jesus is with me in my suffering." And she says, I don't know about you, but that's my kind of a God. That is our kind of a God. A God who suffers with us. A God who walks with us. A God who touches us. Now healing is something nearly all of us need, but Jesus' hands can also bring us a touch of strength as well. A healing hand can also be a helping hand one ready to pull us out of a bad situation. We see those kind of hands at work every time we turn on the television and watch a scene of devastation from an earthquake or floods or bomb cities in the Middle East where strong hands reach out to pull a child from rubble or to lift a drowning woman into a lifeboat or to claw through bricks to reach trapped victims. I was impressed To hear just last week when we experienced the terrible uh, attack in London and the people were there were saying as, as, as fast as we were trying to run away from the scene, there were first responders who were running as fast as they could to be at the center of the scene to be of help to people who were hurt. On a less dramatic level, we know how grateful we are when we find ourselves in a situation when we are literally over our heads and someone reaches out to us in strength, just like Jesus did to Peter, to pull us out of danger. Maybe we had a sponsor who guided us through recovery from addiction or a stranger that stopped to help us change a tire on a dark night. Or a lifeguard that pulled us coughing and sputtering out of the lake at summer camp. Jesus has a firm handshake. And he will reach out to us whenever we need it. And he will never, ever let go. Now sometimes we feel unworthy of Jesus' touch. And that's where Jesus' hands of forgiveness are needed. Jesus is always the one who makes the first move to reach out to us, even when we feel guilty and unworthy of his love. And what happens when you get reconciled with somebody? What's the first thing you do? You shake their hands or you give them a hug. Now, I've been using some examples of human touch to show how, by extension, how powerful divine touch can be. But there is one kind of touch that belongs only to God, and that is empowering touch. Gestures of healing and strength and forgiveness, they can happen every day, whether they come from God or not. But only God has the power to lay hands upon us and send us into the world to do God's work. St. Teresa of Avila is always reminding us that in this world, God has only our hands. God has only our feet. God has only our bodies to do God's work in the world. So we're back to the question. How does God need to touch you today? Are you in pain and need healing? Feeling overwhelmed and need strength? Overcome by guilt and need forgiveness? or just need some sense of direction of where God would have you be. The remedy to all those conditions is quite literally in God's hands. And we experience that remedy in a powerful way through the sacrament of confirmation. God laid his hands upon you at your confirmation here in church. And God is reaching out his hands to you still this day. Now at confirmation, a bishop lays hands on the ordination candidates with a prayer that the Holy Spirit may live in them and work through them, that they may be strengthened for the ministry which God is calling them. The bishop symbolizes this continuing connection to Jesus through the apostolic succession of the church. So this morning, I would like to celebrate that connection in a special way. I would like to lay hands on all of you this morning. Not just the confirmands, but all of you. Now, I know there are a lot of you here today, but I still want to lay hands on each of you and say a little prayer over each one. And in order to do that and get us out of here before 3 o'clock this afternoon, I have a, a, a game plan. When you come up to communion today, I'm going to come down there and stand in the middle of the aisle And I'd like to lay hands on you two by two as you come up, and then you'll go on up to the communion rail like you normally would on on any Sunday morning, remembering that the, the hands that heal us are also the hands that feed us and give us what we need to do God's work in the world. So you'll come up two by two. Those of you who have been confirmed this morning, you already will have have my hands laid on you, so you can just skip that and go right up up to the rail. And you back here in the choir, I'll get to you last after you finish singing. But I will come and pray over you this morning. As you feel my hands on top of your head, give your hearts over to Jesus. Ask him for what you need. Don't be afraid. Be open to his healing, his strength, his forgiveness, his unconditional love. For it is his hands which have the power to shape your life.